Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest in the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and an evil conscience of our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. For the time that's ours, I'd like to share with you from this thought, the hope rope, the hope rope. What I appreciate about this sermon, this homily that we find in the Hebrews is that this author is compelling a people who are struggling with hope to hold on to it. Though they have grown up in ways in which they were shaped by Jewish theology. They have become Christians through hearing the word of the Lord, but times have become difficult. Things that were certain have now become uncertain. And so what was a given, this faith in Christ, is now something of a tenuous nature. Maybe that situation seems foreign to our context. What seems certain is now seeming tenuous those government checks that came on the regular. Now those things have become tenuous. The ways in which our economy has thrived on the ways in which we have done business, those ways are being upset and overturned. And so what we think of as stable is becoming unstable. Could it be that God will allow these things in our life to become unstable so that we can recognize the source of our strength? So maybe this feeling of hopelessness is not antithetical to the Christian faith. Maybe it reacquaints us with what it means to be faithful because the writer in this homily is telling us that how, we've understand, how we understood things may not be the way we should continue. What do I mean by that? Well, this sermon tells us clearly that hope is like a rope and we must hold fast to this thing because we can easily, through the fatigue of this life, let go. We can allow the cares of this world to loosen our grip and to cause our focus to become more distracted, so much so that it becomes even the more difficult to live out what we know to be true. But what I appreciate is that this sermon that I had a chance to read, this sermon that has been read in your hearing, this sermon encourages me because it reminds me who's on the other side of the rope. Because hope being a rope means nothing if two feeble people are holding on to it. But it's good to know that this writer says that this person, this Jesus the Christ, is not just any priest, not just any prophet, not just any person that was foretold. No, this person is special. This person is older than Melchizedek, and believe me, that's old. Jesus, he spans the generation and he goes from everlasting to everlasting. So when you find your faith slipping, when you find that your grip is becoming even the more loose, it is this Jesus who is holding the rope. It is this Jesus who says, though you may want to give up, 
though you may find this world fatiguing, I am holding on to this side so that you don't have to worry about the rope. Because the hope that you cling to is a hope that has carried people throughout the ages. It is Jesus, the eternal rock, who buoys us so that we are able to hold on when the vicissitudes of life happen among us. It's good to know that this Jesus holds the end of the rope when we want to give up. And so, yes, Jesus is on one end keeping us, but yet on the other end, we find ourselves those needing to be reminded. Let's take that in a singular sense. We all have those moments in which we need hope for our individual living. Yes, as a professor of preaching. Yes, as a professor. Yes, as one who proclaims and professes the gospel. Even I need a little hope for my journey. Could it be that though I preach and teach, my spiritual well can be dry just as one who I'm pouring into? So my spiritual reservoir finding its depth and finding its limitations, I cling to this hope in Jesus, this hope of God caring about me, this hope of God seeing about me, this hope of God caring about my eternal soul. That's what empowers me. That's what emboldens me. I know without a doubt that the eternal God is one end and he's holding the rope so my feeble flesh can find a way home. But in order for us to do this, the writer says today, we cannot do this alone. This has to happen in community. Let us hold fast to our profession that the work that Jesus has done has been wrought in the clouds and has been cast upon the skies. This has been done and because it's been done, we are yet responsible for taking care of our sisters and brothers. Hmm. That means we must come together and be provoked by shared passion. The text tells us we must provoke one another to good works. Provoke one another not into wrath, but into the fruits of the Spirit. Provoking one another into being the best that God called us to be. That takes a different complexion, shape, and form when you live where you work. Where you live, where you go to school, that takes a different form because provocation is typically not of the good kind. But maybe we're called to something higher, longer, deeper today. That living together and sharing one another's burdens should put us in a place to provoke us into like passions. Those passions for ministry and justice and love and mercy. And if we come together with shared passions and worshiping together, it shouldn't be a problem. The text says, let us not forsake coming together. There's something about communal worship that holds us all the tighter, knowing that I can lean on you and you can lean on me and we share these theological tenets, though we disagree on the fringes and the frills. One thing we do know is that Jesus Christ is central to our faith. And because of that centrality, because of that provoked passion that we share, because of the ways in which we're asked to live and worship together, we can claim this promise that he who is promised is faithful. A check is only as good as the person who promises to pay. So if such is the case, my sister and my brother, why do you worry today? Why do you fret? Knowing that the God of the universe who caused 
the everlastings to come forth out of the words proceeded from God's mouth. That same God, enfleshed in Jesus Christ, has promised you that you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone, never be alone. As you travel this journey today, trust and believe that the God of creation has not created you to be in isolation. But through this promise, we can hold on to the rope of hope, knowing that he who promised is faithful. Amen.